Danica Connors is back on the show today to talk about winter solstice and Yule. Uh, Danica is a practicing Wiccan and is my go-to for any questions revolving around the Wiccan holidays, Wiccan traditions, and Wiccan rituals. Uh, recently, I had her on to talk about Samhain and how that um, tradition and holiday has impacted her life, impacts us, and how we celebrate that. So today we're taking a deep dive into Solstice and Yule, talk about how we can recognize this uh, tradition, how we can um, utilize our rituals to help uh, understand this tradition, and how a lot of the practices that we might practice in current holidays have been taken from um, some of these traditions. So lots of stuff to cover today. I'm really excited for Danica. Uh, her knowledge and her excitement is just contagious, and I love and appreciate all these conversations. Hope you get something out of the show. We'll see you on the other side. But first, a message from our sponsor. Our healing journey can be difficult. It might feel lonely at times. That's why I love sound baths. When we can get together in a community, we intrinsically support and feel supported by others. And that combined energy can help us go deeper into our own healing journeys. And all you have to do is just lay there for one hour and listen to beautiful healing sounds. I'm a sound healing practitioner, and I hold sound baths on a regular basis in the greater Seattle area. You can find my next sound baths on my website at adamrealhealing.com. That's Adam, A-D-A-M, real, R-I-E-H-L, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, dot com. Adamrealhealing.com. Your healing is worth your time. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Danica Connors. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, today I'm joined again by my resident Wiccan specialist, uh, Miss Danica Connors. Uh, Danica has been on the show multiple times now, and uh, just a precursor, uh, she will continue to be on the show multiple times. Uh, Danica has agreed to come on and talk about all of our Wiccan, pagan, kind of earthly holidays that we celebrate. Uh, so today we're going to talk about solstice, winter solstice, and Yule. Uh, but in the future, we'll have her back for the equinox, spring equinox, and, and, and future uh, events as well. So just to really kind of get an understanding of how these holidays uh, originated and a lot of the, um, the ways that Christianity has um, taken some of the, the practices and modernized it in ways. But these, these original practices are still being practiced on a regular basis. And um, before we usually do this at the end, but I'm just going to throw it out there now because Danica just told me about this. But um, for those interested in exploring Wiccan rituals and Wiccan traditions, uh, Danica has an open circle in the Woodenville area. So if you're in the Washington area, it's in Woodenville, uh, where they meet uh, during the holidays to celebrate these rituals. Uh, Danica, you're the best. Thanks for coming back. Oh, thank you so much, Adam. I love being here. It's yeah. fun. Well, uh, before we jump into uh, what we're talking about today, do you want to talk about the open circle real quick? Because I think that's a great idea. Sure. So what happened was, and this tends to happen wherever I go, I have traveled a lot in my <laughs> life because of my background in theater, right? Uh -huh. So I've moved and been and da, da, da. And I end up in places and I feel like I look for groups or things like this that I want to be a part of. And I, instead, all of the sudden people start coming to me and they go, so do you facilitate it? And it happens, it happens a lot. And so when I got here, I basically, you know, I celebrate these things myself and I invited a couple friends over and they told friends and they told friends and it, it turned into something a lot larger, which I love, yeah. which I love. But, um, I do facilitate basically an open circle in Woodenville, mm. and um, we do the eight Sabbaths at this point. Okay. Um, there is talk about uh, developing 
more inner focused coven work as well. Um, that's something kind of down the line, but the open Sabbath circles happen for each one. And if, you know, if, if people, if your listeners are interested, they are more than welcome to be a part of that. All they have to do is email me at DanicaConnors at gmail.com and request to be put on the list mm. and I can answer whatever questions. And it's a very, it's a flexible thing. It's not something where you have to come to all of them. Okay. It's you, you come to the ones that you can. And for me, the ones that you can seem to be the ones that spirit goes, and this is what you need now. Yeah. So that happened, you know, that happened happens a lot and um we yeah we're about to do yule on and i hold them on the day Mm -hmm. some groups tend to try and do it the closest weekend um but for me i i tend to be purist in this way it's only because i really have the opportunity to do it that i am and it falls on the day no matter what so it's going to be um uh, Wednesday, the twentieth, I believe. Yes, Wednesday, the twentieth. It's the twentieth, the twenty-first. But it's 21st. Wednesday, twenty-first. Yeah. Wednesday, because sometimes it, it, depending upon the calendar and how it falls, it could be the twentieth or the twenty-first. But this year, yeah, it's Wednesday, the twenty-first. So you know, just reach out Beautiful. if you want to be a part of it. Nice. And uh, Danica's contact info will be in the show notes also, so you can reach out to her through there or through myself, and I can connect you with Danica as well. Great. Social media, all the fun stuff. Uh, cool. Okay. So before we hit record, I was trying to, uh, to, uh, figure out how I was going to introduce Danica and I used the word pagan and Danica said, yeah, actually, you know what? Let's do, let's use the word Wiccan. Right. And so we had a great, uh, good conversation about that where Danica informed me as the difference between the two, which sparked another question, which we'll get to in a second. So, uh, for our listeners out there, can you kind of just give us a rough understanding of the difference between pagan and Wiccan and, why one is maybe more correct in some terms than other terms. Mm-hmm. Well, the word pagan tend, it, it, it's more like a, a term that says of the earth, people who are of the earth, or in reality, it was more of a Roman term when all of a sudden Christianity started shifting mm-hmm. at that time and where you would define those who are not Christian. Right of the earth of and pagan nowadays in the states tends to be a very umbrella term okay. for those who are celebrating earth-based spirituality type religions, energetics constructs that tend to be a little bit more in the European edge okay. uh, background historically because it doesn't in, the term pagan doesn't include Native American. It you know it doesn't include Australian Aboriginal you know it doesn't right the indigenous cultures if you know that's not that it was really originally for the areas that Rome had under their belt for a very long time European styles okay so you know those who those who are druids are you know are pagan. Okay. Those who are, let's see, um, heathen, you know, they they follow more of the Norse pantheon, pagan, that okay. type of thing. Wiccans are also pagan. So it's a very big old umbrella gotcha. term. Okay. okay. But there, we start to split off on different definitions, like between witch and witchcraft. So, uh, witch, witchcraft, and paganism, and Wicca. Okay. So, Wicca is something that involves paganism, okay. for, but also definitely follows the divine, God and goddess, throughout the seasons. Okay. Um, 
Witchcraft or witches are those who basically do energetic work, spell work. Yeah. Um, you know, the witches were our herbalists way back when. Right. You know, the, itch, the witches are, the, you know, that common trait person who works with energy. Nowadays, you have to, you tend to have a combination between both of witches and Wiccans. They tend to be in the same place, mm. but not everybody. Okay. That's why. A witch can be a, a witch can be a Wiccan. A Wiccan can be a witch. Some they don't have to be at the same time. So it's really about being respectful and careful, also okay. about just using those terms. That's why for me, I'm definitely not a a specialist in all things pagan. That is a massively large, <laughs> large category. Yeah. But I have a, a very large background in Wicca. Nice. Now, when you're talking about Wiccan and paganism, what in, in, you know, you said earlier how that leaves out the indigenous cultures, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, so when we were talking earlier, when we were having this conversation, the word shaman, shamanic kind of came into my mind mm -hmm. and it kind of sounds like a mixture of the two in a way, right? Yeah. So well, shamanism is not a religion, right? Shamanism is a technique a practice. Yeah. Yeah. It is a practice. It is a technique. Yep. The Celts had shamans right? The Romans had shamans, right. you know, the in, indigenous aboriginals, sham, but you know, the term shaman is basically, it's not, it's again, mm -hmm. that has become an umbrella term here right, when yeah. originally it wasn't, it was describing the people who could do that type of work of the Tungus tribes in Siberia. Okay. So it has become an umbrella term mm. as well. Yeah. Um, but Yes, many of the cultures who did shamanic work, pagan. Mm, okay. Interesting. Thank you for that. Yeah, right yeah. yeah. That's good. You know, for me, I like to connect the dots, right? You know, and, and, and there's so many different variations, and we'll talk about it today, right? This is a great example of Yule versus Christmas and, and things like that, where, you know, we've been, like, humanity's been, been kicking for a long time, and we've adapted to and unfortunately stolen from and colonized things. And now we have this, what we know as these holidays and these celebrations and these experiences that we have, but it's so good to know the, for me, to know the origins of, and not to like place blame and be like, oh, that's right. Those fucking Christians, you know, but it's just, it's knowledge to do with as you wish. And a lot of times, like the more we know about our past, the less we'll recreate that past. Right. You know, when we learn from our past, we can move forward in the future with, with more knowledge. So that's why I like to know that stuff. So. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so our mission today is to talk about uh, winter solstice and Yule and how those uh, holidays have uh, uh, been embraced by different cultures, how they've expanded, how they're being celebrated now, how some cultures and some religions have taken from um, this, uh, these two holidays or these, no, actually one holiday that kind of encompasses both. Right. And, and, uh, and how they're being, uh, how they're being practiced. So, um, solstice and Yule. So for me, winter solstice is something that I've been practicing for a while. Um, you know, most of the solstices and the equinoxes, I, you know, I've, I've adopted to and started to make rituals around intention settings, things like that. But, uh, with the exception of knowing the word Yule, uh, from, uh, just, you know, uh, popular culture, um, seeing the Yule log every Christmas when we turn on the TV and hit the Yule log channel, um, or having that fun, delicious dessert that looks like a giant ho-ho, um, the Yule log, the chocolatey Yule log. So that's, you know, that's basically my extent of the knowledge of Yule. Um, so 
Let's start. Where do you want to start? So the winter solstice technically is a time of the year. Okay. All of the other celebrations and festivals are how they are experiencing the time of the year. Mm. So Yule Mm -hmm. is one of the ways that the Norse experienced and celebrated the time of of the year. Okay. You know, for instance, Kwanzaa. Mm -hmm. Kwanzaa in Africa. Same time of year. It's a fire festival celebrating the sun gods. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Who else? Egypt. Egypt at this time celebrated their sun god Ra. Ra. The big one. Rome celebrated Mithras. Okay. Right? Their sun god. And the Saturnalia happened at that. By the way, Mithras, he was born to a virgin in a little manger. <laughs> so right. we, you know, right there, believe me, throughout this entire talk, we're going to see how certain things moved from different cultures into what we know now. Because mm. out of all of the eight Sabbaths in the Wiccan Wheel of the Year, this one has been really brought deeply with so many of the customs Mm. into Christianity. So it is very much a part of our world. And even, you know, when you back up and you think about this, Mithras, if we start looking astrologically, was the sun god of the Taurian age. Okay. The one who came right after him was Jesus, Mm. who was the sun god of of the Piscean Age. Okay. Right? So it was only around 270-ish, 278 CE, that Mm. the Christian church decided to say that Jesus was born around this time. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there was a choice. Nobody knows when he was born. Right. Right? But there was a conscious choice to go, it makes sense to do it right here. A, because we're trying to, you know, bring over other people to this religion. But outside of that, Jesus was the sun god of the Piscean Age. Wow. Wow, I don't think I knew that, actually. Yeah, Yeah. it's, there are, this, the way, whether it's a goddess or a god, that is reborn, the light is reborn in the midst of the most vulnerable, dark moment. Mm. Multiple, multiple, multiple cultures have done this. Wow. It is almost like a gibbon. It's mm. an archetype. It is a deep, deep archetype in the human psyche. Yeah. So it's not, you know, when we look at this time of year, we've, we've moved into our deepest darkness. Mm-hmm. So if Samhain brought us face to face with death, right. right? It is between Samhain and now and Yule that we're doing our grieving. Mm. We're still in it. We're in the dark. We are in the place of going, will the light ever come back? And for anybody who has truly, truly grieved, mm-hmm. it's like you will never smile again. Right. You will never see the sun again. You will never know. And that's what this time is about. Mm. And so we step in, you know, for me, in my celebration of this, it's not just about, hey, light a candle. Here we go. Yay, yay, inception. Off we go. Right. For me, <laughs> it's about you, you've got to go through the dark and complete your grieving mm. before you find your hope. Wow. So one of the things that I like about this time 
of the year, what I do in, in my work is, and a lot of groups do this, during ritual, you shut off all the lights. Mm, okay. Everything goes dark. You shut off the heat, you shut off the light, mm-hmm. and you do work in the dark. Okay. Because there is a whole other set of power when the light comes back on. Yeah. When you do that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, this uh, so that th- let me just draw a correlation to that with me real quick. So um, that 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 darkness and that internal kind of go going in resonates a lot with me. So I've done. Um, I, I love meditation. I'm an avid meditator, and it's been a very helpful practice in me, calling anxiety, depression, all that fun stuff. Um, a number of years ago, I went on my first Vipassana 10 day meditation retreat. And so Vipassana, for those that don't know, it's 10 days silent meditation. You're silent from, uh, you're there for 12 days total. So you get there, you're, you're able to talk and kind of meet people for about six hours. And then at six o'clock on that first day, you go silent to take noble silence. And then you don't talk again until 10 days later. Uh, now through that 10 days, you meditate for 11 hours a day. You cannot read, write, talk, uh, you can't exercise at all. You're just meditating. You have walking paths for your exercise and you eat and sleep. That's it. And, uh, so for me, the, both times I've done my, my Vipassana were in the winter time, right in December, January. And those were the, some of the darkest times of my life, because when you don't have Netflix or a book or yoga for me, right? All these external stimuli to take my mind off the bullshit that I need to be going through and need to be handling, when I, ex- when I remove all that external stimuli and I'm stuck with just me and my thoughts and the shit that I'm going through and my fucking dumb story, that is dark. That is a really dark place. And, and uh, so for me, having not on purpose, but having those experiences around this time of the year makes a lot of sense because, you know, yes, I can do, I can do work when it's nice and sunny outside, but I also internally want to seize the day and be out there doing shit. Winter time for me is that time to go inside and do that internal work so we can come back in the spring and birth all the work that we've been working on. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's again, why I love the Sabbaths because it doesn't skip any of it. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, and this, this, you know, now we tend to celebrate this time of year by avoiding the dark. Quick, buy something, have fun, get some booze. Everybody say it's happy, happy, happy. Let's really get it. And you're missing the fact that you're supposed to be stopping. Yeah. And, and really looking just because we have electricity gang, we all know the sun ain't lasting forever. Right. It's not. Yep. We don't know what's going to happen to our atmosphere. We don't like the fact that we think the sun is a given is ridiculous to me. And so on the longest night of the year, when you sit in your darkness, Mm. when the candle goes back on, there's a level of gratitude that is so different. Wow. So, 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 so different. Yeah. You know, we come to terms with our fears here. Um, you know, we hear songs, you know, like to drive the cold winter away because there's these moments of death and the unknown are so embedded here and our culture doesn't even acknowledge that. Right. In the least, we just give a present and off you go, (laughs) even though that's, you know, that's part of the, the history of the celebration, but 
it is even in some Wiccan groups, some skip, they don't skip, they kind of gloss mm. over the dark and they jump straight into the hope. Mm. And I, you know, I, I feel like for those of us who really have gone through things like that, you, you work and yank yourself across bloodied fingers and bloody knees mm-hmm. to find that hope. Yes. So when it returns, it's like, like literally yes. your eyes are streaming with tears in that moment of a quiet thing and you're back and you didn't even know how you got there. Right. And that's mm. what the inception of the Sun King is. And for me, this time is not about the rebirth of the Sun King. Okay. It is about the inception within the goddess. Mm. This is still vulnerable. Any women who have been pregnant, most don't talk about their pregnancy until they've gone past a certain time okay. to guarantee that they've, they're actually holding yes. the pregnancy. Most definitely. Right? Yep. So this is that same time. Mm. This is just the inception. Okay. This is the massive vulnerability of that light. We still don't know. The, this is the impregnation moment, mm. right? That's why when we look at Newgrange, in Ireland, and I, you know, the old name of Bruna Boyne, and I was there. And man, when you are sitting, not unfortunately, I was not there on the solstice, okay. but I was there in February, and I went in, and you know, it's this earth mound cave kind of thing, and you go in, and it's pitch dark. Mm. It is dark and claustrophobic, yeah. and it is in on you, and on the first rays of the rising sun penetrate that darkness Mm. through the cave and it's literally symbolic of the sunlight impregnating mother earth again it blows your mind when you touch like the 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 trilithons in stonehenge Mm -hmm. same thing Mm -hmm. on those everything is lined up with the solstices and the equinoxes and on that day the sun comes through one of the trilithons there too we see um we reenact that inception moment, right? right? And we kind of roll into, which I think is fun and interesting to think about, right? When we go, the Virgin Mary gave birth of Christ, right? Mm. We forget what the term virgin actually meant. Okay. Okay? The virgin had nothing to do with lack of sexuality. Virgin, in its traditional Roman term, like, was a woman who, A, had no husband, financially took care of herself, was outside the law, could take multiple lovers at will whenever they wanted. They were of themselves, by themselves, and for themselves. Really? Meaning intact. That Should is we all what, be working towards virginity then? Or exactly. Jesus Christ. That's exactly. like the coolest term ever. It is. That is the virgin. Wow. I had no idea that, right. that was, there was that much depth to that etymology Huge. of that word. Huge, huge. Wow. It was take it was turned into a purification of sexuality. Oh man. As opposed to a completely self-contained empowered female. Did we replace that word with another cool word that we can I, all use? I wish. Jesus I wish. Christ. That I wish. should be something we should all strive for. I know. I, I know. Christ. I know. But it is the the light. Yeah. The the light that is conceived by the virgin goddess on that night. And that is celebrated in Wicca. That is celebrated in multiple cultures. Yeah. I mean, Mithras was born by a virgin in a stable. I mean, this 
it's it's, it's I, yeah. So there's a there is a, I I love mythology mm-hmm. and I love um, reading stories from the Bible, reading stories from the Quran, reading stories from all these different uh, origin stories, all these different cultures, their mythologies, right? And to your point, what you're talking about, there's so many correlating origin stories for this type of thing, right? There's the flood story, right? Multiple, multiple different uh, uh, cultures have stories of the, the great flood. You know, not all of it's biblical, not all of it's a flood. Sometimes it goes under underground and we have to take people and, and animals underground to weather whatever thing that's happening out there. But there's so many of this, these quote unquote stories being retold in all these different, these cultures that it's... Like just to think that there's not a, a correlation or or some kind of like connection between that, you know, there's it just it, it baffles me the more I learn about this. And so there's this, uh, there's a Netflix documentary I'm watching right now, a docu series called uh, Ancient Apocalypse. There's a gentleman named Graham Hancock who's been um, he's an archaeologist, well, kind of an archaeologist, more of like a uh, investigative journalist. And he, his goal is to prove that humanity is older than archaeologists say that they are. Right. And so this docuseries is him going around to all these like Gobekli Tepe, like all these like ancient sites and talking about how all these like, say, the pyramids or the, the, the monoliths or whatever that they put there was directed towards the winter equinox or the winter solstice or the summer solstice or the equinoxes and how all of these these seemingly ignorant cultures that didn't have any understanding or any civilization because this is quote unquote before agriculture have this immense understanding of the stars, the equinoxes the solstices and we're just counting them as ignorant hunters and gatherers. Oh, they had no idea. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, this this thing that we say is 5,000 years old we dig deeper and we understand now it's 10,000 years old. Well, According to us, culture wasn't around back then. So how do we fucking answer that question? Mm-hmm. You know, so the more stuff like this that, that we, you know, the conversations that we have about this stuff, it just opens my eyes to like, ah, I'm just living in somebody else's story. Like, let's find <laughs> the real truth out here, people. Well, I mean, what the, again? That's an ar- it's an archetype. Yeah, this is these are archetype. You know, myths embody archetypes, universal pieces of the human conscious experience. Mm. And subconscious and superconscious experiences. So we can't say it's our way is the way. It's how many different ways can we do this? Let's go. Mm -hmm. Because this is how this is going to go. There's multiple ways. So let it, you know, let it be. Either way, when we come down to it, this time of year tends to be about the birth of the light or the inception of the light and all the ritualistic magic done to lure that light back. Mm. We want to attract that light to us, right? So this is where a lot of our wonderful, uh, all of our little things that we do, whether it's put a wreath up, light the tree, Mm -hmm. uh, sing carols, ring bells, all of these all of these different traditions are ways of bringing the sun back mm. or dispelling the darkness. Okay. You know, so for instance, if we start with something like the tree, a Christmas tree, there is debate whether, you know, was it, was it the Celtic Druids? Was it the Scandinavians? Was it the Germans, okay. right? Because we, you know, some of the, most of the history of how it was brought to the States was probably German. Okay. Right? But how it kind of came into the Yule tradition. There were multiple cultures who do it. Some say the Celts because trees 
were sacred. Okay. Sacred to the Druids. And when we get into the story of the sacred Holly King and the Oak King. Okay. And in within the Druid pantheon, really, that's two sides of the same god. Mm. Right? Two sides of the same coin. Where the Oak King is the god that rules the waxing half of the year. Okay. And then the Holly King is the one who rules the waning half of the year. Okay. And they battle at each solstice. All right. One dies, the other takes the the helm, and off we go. All right. So this is why Holly, which is sacred to the Holly King, and mistletoe, mm-hmm. which grows on the oak, is sacred to the Oak King. Gotcha. Right, so we All see right. this holly and this mistletoe tradition. Yes. But the other fun thing about the mistletoe is when we get right down to it, to the druids, when you squish those white berries, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like semen. Okay. So it is considered the fertile inception. Oh. So it is brought into the, 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 you know, in some of our traditions, the mistletoe is brought into the virgin goddess in the center of the darkness. Wow. Right? So okay. we're, or you're kissed under the under mistletoe. The mistletoe. Yeah, right. right? Mistletoe was like so sacred, you would bind contracts underneath it. Right? Wow. So if you were promising to marry, you would kiss under the mistletoe. Okay. Right? So kissing under the mistletoe is also about instilling fertility. Okay. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with these plants mm-hmm. and these, these relationships that happened, right? Yeah. There's also uh, the wren and the robin. The wren is the bird that in Europe you tended to see more in the winter. And the okay. robin tended to be the one that you see in the spring. Okay. And so they would fight each other. Another Same thing. Seasonal one of, battle. One of the old English customs is like, you know, bringing around something that looks like a, a, a dead wren okay. on, a, on a bed of holly. Mm. So you're seeing like the end of the the dark half of the year kick right. bringing in the new wow yeah so it's interesting i mean that's that's that realm yeah. and then when we go so we go to christmas trees right okay. mm-hmm. evergreens yep there is something so incredibly sacred about a plant that stays green all year in the face of the darkness it still stays green yeah so if you're going to use anything for sympathetic magic mhm Right. All right. It is about honoring the things that still stay green. Yeah. Okay. And putting lights on it. Mm-hmm. Nothing like a little more sympathetic magic. Right. Bring more light in. Light right. on something that's green. Wow. Here we go. Right. Now, have we always cut the tree down and brought it inside? Not necessarily. Okay. The druids would not have. Because I was about to say, when you said that they're sacred, yep. it's like, well, why would you cut it down? Yeah. Okay. To the Druids. Yes. Scandinavians and Germans yep. brought it inside. Okay. But there's also something fascinating about bringing it inside. It was a symbol of giving the fairy spirits and the green spirits a place to stay warm for the winter. Oh. It was protecting them. So it's almost like bringing their home inside yes. so they can have a safety. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. I want a tree now. I yep. was always against trees. See? Right, it's like, hey, here we go, and to and it's also and to honor them, yeah, you know, 
to to decorate and play and say you know to say you are a part of my life I am a mm. part of yours I will protect you okay but that type of thing as well um, you know putting the, that's why when the candles are lit on our lights that we see in the tree when you turn them on gang that's sympathetic magic that's you going please son come back mm. all part of that son just like hey please, we're please, showing son. the light where to return to please, come come son. back home come back and the ornaments were all. Um, basically different little amulets and acts of of hope for what you wanted for the new year for your wishes so what hung on the trees what you were trying to draw to you as well Mm -hmm. so uh, so when you think about what you put on your tree like for instance i'm irish Mm -hmm. and german and russian okay okay one of the pieces are, are technically polish my the reason why i just said russian is my grandmother uh, the, the way the locale that we came from is now Poland, but it was a, uh, a, it was a space in the Carpathian Mountain regions that, depending upon who ran through it next, it was something else. Gotcha. And it was Russia when my great great grandmother was there. Okay. And so, if I say Poland, my grandmother's hands would come slamming down onto the table, <laughs> and she would say, "You're not Polish, you're Russia." I'm like, "Okay, okay, All right." right. All right. Um, but the German piece, which was my grandfather on my mother's side, um, the feasts at the winter solstice had pickles, okay. sour pickles. I don't know if any, I'm sure many of your listeners know the little, um, the pickle for the ornament on the yeah, tree. Yeah, 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 totally. That's where that comes from. Okay. Because if you found the pickle, you got extra gifts. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. So especially if you're German, huh. if you hang that pickle on your tree, gang, that is a pagan, that is like a knockoff of a pagan, pagan celebratory moment of the winter solstice. Yeah. You know, so believe me, huh. my pickle goes on my tree Damn every straight. year. I love my little pickle ornament. Now, quick question with that. So my uh, so my fiance Monica is uh, part Jewish and, and loves to, to practice Jewish holidays, and she has a tradition on New Year's Eve where she eats sauerkraut at midnight, and it's supposed to help with uh, financial success throughout the year. I love it. Is there a correlation between the sourness of that? Maybe. Maybe uh, okay. I don't. I don't know that one. Okay. And what I love also is um, the so there's certain correlations between which is interesting. At the Saturnalia in Rome, they would bathe in gold coins. Oh, like Scrooge McDuck style? Uh, almost, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Scrooge McDuck. Back, you know, backstroke it through back-stroke the same. You know? <laughs> exactly. I, you know what? I would imagine that's pretty much how that happened back then. You could uh, just see a little Pope hat. Yep. <laughs> sea of gold coins, just backstroke with his little Pope hat on. <laughs> That's going to be in my head for a while. Thank you for that. I'm so happy. I'm thrilled. But the gold coins represented the sun. Okay. When you bathed with it, you were imbuing yourself with the sun, Mm. right? And in the tradition of Hanukkah, you give gelt. Hanukkah gelt, right. which used to be gold coin. Right, it's yep. the same. And now it's the gold chocolate yes. coin. Yes. <laughs> so, but it's the same thing. You're invoking the sun. Mm. Wow. Twelve for, now that whole 12 night thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Twelfth night, whether we've got, you know, a Christian thing, how many days of Hanukkah, not, you know, it's slightly different. But we're talking multiple cultures spent multiple days doing this yeah, right yeah. the norse were big 12 dayers mm-hmm. the celts were big 12 dayers with this that type of thing so it was never just one day it was a whole 12 days of 
Christmas. It's 12 days right. of Yule. Because it went down, what, January 5th or something? Mm-hmm. Usually January 6th. 6th, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. So we see that didn't come out of nowhere. We have longer pagan traditions that kind of took, you know, took this process from one to the other. Mm. And we still do it. Yeah. You know? um, wreaths that you see decorated on the door, that's very, very Norse. Right there, you know, the Yule, the term Yule means wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I forget the, the actual Norse word, uh, phrase, but it means that this time of year was considered the turning of the wheel. Okay. Right. Where they would stay up, uh, at, I think it was, um, yeah, they would stay up all night awaiting the rebirth of their sun goddess Freya. Okay. On this All night. right. So another sun goddess, yeah. another sun deity So we've had these sun deities, you know, doing the same thing. And, you know, I think it was, um... Uh, I believe it was Scandinavian, where, you know, they would make a giant, and this happened in the Celts, you know, Scandinavian, depending upon which time of the year or whatever, people would make big giant wheels, set them on fire, and roll them down hills. Sweet. Right? Wow. So, way to turn the year. Yeah. With a little bit of sun. A little bit of sun. Here we go. A fiery and wreath. At the time when they would do human sacrifice, uh, right? It mm. used to be, you know, they would create, which... They think was probably a knockoff of a literal, right? But they'd put uh, a human figure in the center of that sun wheel, and off they go. Yeah. So you know. Wow. It's it. There's we we humans have always been certain. We've done some. We've done some things. We've done some we've things. We've done some things. Yeah. We've done. We've definitely done uh-huh. some things. Right. <laughs> um, but even you know, it, it's to me, I tend to also look at it as. We all are going to be the sacrifice eventually uh, right. to this planet, you right. know? Yeah. And if you want to go down that road literally, your body is going to be that at some point. So uh, for me, putting a human form in the center of that is like, gang, at the same time, you too are going to be a part of what this is, right. what this sacrifice is going to become. Yeah. And, you know, no, we don't want to go slit some live things throughout and you know put it in the center and off you go um but it is the symbolism is very powerful yeah it's very powerful to take a look at and i think that's a lot of uh what human sacrifice used to represent right there was a lot of like powerful magic or um you know um, sacrifices that were made for the 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 gods of the you know agriculture the gods of the sky and all these things and, uh, and I love, again, uh, mythology from all different cultures. You have countless stories of, uh, let's say, South America, it's Quetzalcoatl. In other areas, it's uh, Viracocha. Uh, in Hawaii, it's Maui, right? Where you have these, after that great flood we talked about earlier, you have these beings that generally are bearded in some kind of way. The idea is that they survived the great flood. They survived the extinction of the world, but they had knowledge because the world was very advanced before we went through this big change. Mm -hmm. And then they set out to uh, the continents again to share agriculture, to share how to to respect the gods without having to kill for the gods and and shared a lot of this idea, right, about how to to responsibly worship gods and how to responsibly look at the sky and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so I love, again, I just, I love those ideas of like how, you know, we used to do this one thing and then we've kind of adapted to this new thing and like everything is an adaptation in in a way Mm -hmm. you know and that's again i think we talked about this last time when we are when we're so worried about culturally appropriating i i understand that however underneath all of this is an archetype that belongs to everybody right you know 
the honor is not to just take another culture's something, hmm. but the archetype underneath that does not belong to one culture. I, I really appreciate you saying that. You know, and I, and I, I know we need to be very aware that appropriation happened, colonization happened, oh, yeah. but also everything has come from something. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that somebody brought up to me a while back when I was having this conversation was the, their example was language. You know, if we would have kept language the way it was developed, we'd be hitting on stones and clicking with our mouths. And that'd be fine if that's what we had. But now we have all these different buzzes and all these different vowels that we can make and all these different ways that we can communicate because language evolved, right? Mm-hmm. And it could, it could have just stayed in the way that Stone Age way stayed and we could have just been happy with that, but it had to evolve, mm-hmm. right? Just like all these traditions have to evolve. The culture has to evolve, Right. And so it's up to us to honor where we've come from, honor the information that's been there and not just be like, oh, I like this. I like that. I don't like that. I'm going to leave the gods out, but I'm going to take the presence and the pickle. I'm going to fucking keep the pickle in there. Hell yeah. Keep Coming the, with me. You keep know? the pickle. But if you don't know why you're taking the things you want to take and leaving the things you don't want to take, you know, then you're, that's where the appropriation comes from. Mm-hmm. Right. I just want all the goodies. I don't want to, I don't want to acknowledge that there's evil spirits and that there's a dark day. Mm-hmm. I just want all the presents and then all the, the fun food stuff. And then we'll worry about the light later. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, nah, man, it's all, it's all together. Yeah. There's, there's, there's so, there's so much with that. And, um, you know, I just, sometimes I, I find that, you know, people generally want to do the right thing in right. my opinion. Right. right. And sometimes this type of thing can keep very genuine people from truly stepping in and expressing themselves. Mm. Yeah. And that's where I, I tend to go, Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Because way back when this all started somehow, and if that person was worried about doing anything, we never would have got here. Exactly. Uh, so you know, there, there's that piece. So I love, I love watching people mix and 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 create an amalgam, especially in a holiday like this. Mm. There are so many things. Whether you're going from you know Frau Holder to Saint Nicholas to Krampus to Krampus. I mean there are all I know right. I love Krampus. I know oh to to gosh. the Grinch. I don't like, find find the thing amidst the here's the dark. The light is conceived on this night. What does that do for you? Mm. So, you know, some of the things I'd like to, you know, share with people as far as what they can do for themselves during this holiday, right, Mm -hmm. is take, take some time on the night before the solstice, right, and shut off your lights. Shut off your lights, shut off your heat, and sit there in the dark. Mm. Sit there in the dark for a while, okay? And think about, what has been difficult for you? What what your challenges still are? What you're working towards? Mm-hmm. And then, when it's time, light a candle. Mm. Bring the light back in. Bring the light back in. Mm-hmm. I like to ring a bell. Oh, that's great. Because bells were used, you know, Santa's sleigh bells right. kind of thing. Ringing the bells were about also scaring the spirits of darkness away Mm -hmm. and clearing and cleaning space. Yeah. Okay. So when you light that candle, ring a bell into the darkness. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and remember, this is the time of just hope. This isn't about, Oh my God, everything's fixed. (laughs) 
This is the first flickers of hope. And I always suggest get up and watch the sunrise mm. on that day. Okay. Watch it. Because, like I said, we cannot take the sun rising for granted. Yeah. And this is the promise of the light coming back and awakening the earth again. Mm. It's a really great time for gratitude. Yeah. In that way. Especially, yeah, those, those, when we're still in the dark months, mm-hmm. you know, having the gratitude for the darkness, having mm-hmm. the gratitude, you know, there's, you know, the, the sitting in, 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 in the dark with lights off with no heat on, um, reminds me there's a, there's a gentleman I, I love, his name's Ian. And, uh, one of the things we talk a lot about is, uh, it mainly, I shouldn't say mainly, but we talk about it mainly in the Western cultural ideas that, um, humans have a hard time sitting with sensations, right? And so when you take away the light, when you take away the heat, fear sets in, doubt sets in, um, these intense, uh, what we would consider maybe bad feelings start to set in. But those are all sensations that we need to understand and we need to figure out. We need to learn how fear sits with us, how, to, how fear can, how we can uh, push fear away, how we can understand the message that fear has for us and then let it go. You know, but we need to be in those situations to be able to have that experience to sit with those sensations. Now, whether it's plant medicines or you know, an, an angry argument that you just had with a loved one or sitting in dark and cold and not knowing when the light's going to come back on or the heat's going to come on and you're just sitting there with that doubt and you have to justify that with your with your sense of being. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, such an important message for all of us right now is to find a way to sit with those sensations that we tend to run away from. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're great sensations. Sometimes it's pleasurable. Right? Think about the last time you were tickled. Right? That's theoretically. <laughs> it's like the happy thing. We're laughing. But it's like at the same time, it's like, fucking stop. All yeah. right? I'm done with this. You need to stop touching me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I... <laughs> these these very tough sensations um that's it's part of why i like watching the wheel of the year very much because you you're you're watching your god like what we've talked about this before we're watching our gods go through the same thing mm. you know it makes us feel accepted and held with all of the pieces that we are, with all of the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm. as we kind of process through, you know, through all of this. But, you know, it is also a time to go, okay, so we we have to make a conscious choice to stop grieving mm-hmm. at a certain point, or it does consume us. Right, it does. It is, it is, and it, there is a day, even though it may not seem like a, black and white clear switch right there is a day where you choose to stop Mm. and that's what yule is also about it's you do your best to kind of symbolically finish the the grieving process like some people would wear black and then burn it okay on that night where you'd take a piece of cloth off and burn it to, to go okay it can't go like this forever though We've got to put a to stop. We, we, we were making a conscious choice, okay. right? So that's why bringing the light back, may, doing all the sympathetic magic, bringing the Yule log in the house. Oh, we haven't even talked about the Yule log. Yeah, the Yule log. Oh, the Yule log. <laughs> oh, the Yule log. So again, traditionally, it was oak. Okay. This is, a, again, a very, dru, uh, this is a druidic 
moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where the oak, and traditionally, it needed to be a piece of oak that was big enough to burn heat and light the house for 12 days. So another 12-day reference. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, you, God, you're putting like a stump in there, huh? Yeah. Or giant, you know, giant. <laughs> and it was decorated, okay. you know, with holly and all these other things, gifts in order, you know, for the gods, for the light, you know, all that stuff to come back. And over time, obviously, it has changed. It has mutated into like sweets. You right. know, it's turned into <laughs> yeah. a chocolate Yule log, right? Or a TV channel. Or, or a TV channel. <laughs> exactly. Um, but... Now you see a lot in the in the Wiccan traditions is there's a, a piece of wood of some kind with three holes mm-hmm. burrowed into it and three candles. Okay. Right? Yeah. So we have the oak, the the tree that is the god or the male aspect, right? Okay. And then we have the three candles, which represent the triple goddess of oh. maiden, mother, and crone. Oh. So it's a white, a red, and a black candle. Wow. Okay. Right? So you have all in one place, when you light that, the act again of inception. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it, there's not one thing that's missed. Every single huh. act in circle, every single act is a symbol. Yeah. Every single act is a moment that creates magic. Okay. And it, it's brilliant to watch that happen. I love my favorite, um, and we're going to try and do this this year, I hope it works, is um, it's a Swedish tradition, okay. and it is so beautiful. But you please, if you try this at home, be very, very aware, <laughs> because it's a, it's a wreath that's worn around the head with candles. I know, which I know, I can yeah. visualize that in yeah. my head. Yeah. So I think it was, and now it's like St. Lucia's Day or okay. something like that. But it is the Virgin walking into the circle and the light and the greenery conceived. Oh, man. Know, on, you know, on the person who is that, who's representing that for that ritual. Yeah. To walk. And how many of us, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite. Um, you know, when I was growing up and kind of exploring Christianity to see where this was spiritually, my favorite time was the midnight candle service on Christmas Eve. Okay. Because it just, it cuts the crap. Mm. Like it's, it, everything goes dark and the candles come on. Yeah. And it's passed from, the light is passed from person to person. Mm. Wow. And I'm like, Oh, so pagan. Yeah. This is so pagan. This moment is so pagan. And I love in circle when you light that light for the first time. And I like to light it in the direction of the area of the world that you're in. Where is the sunrise happening? Yeah. Light it right there. Okay. Right. And then bring it into your goddess and have her. Everybody has a candle. Wow. And you have her light their can, and it goes all around, and you're in that circle of Sharing light. the flame. So that wow. you all realize our life and our light comes from these moments. Mm. I, I love that. And then when you sit there and you go, oh, and you listen to some of our songs. Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Right. La, 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 la. You know? Uh-huh. Tis the season two. And it's like Yuletide treasure and da, 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 and off you go. Yep, yep. You know? The holly and the ivy. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. We're talking 
old, old pagan customs, pagan songs, right? And this poem, and they don't know how old it is or who wrote it, but it's this four little, and it sounds exactly like, you know, one of our witchy craft spell tags, right? But as you put the Yule log in, they'd say, may the log burn, may the wheel turn, may the evil spurn, may the light return. Oh, really right. old, lovely. That's beautiful. Right? Yeah. Use that, gang. Yeah. When you, after the dark comes, and you turn your can, you turn your light or your heat or that candle back on, there's your, there's your little moment. Yeah. Right. Wow. There's that beautiful that moment to hold on to as you walk into the cold. Yeah. There's a when you were mentioning the the Swedish wreath candles. Um, there's there's a movie from the '90s called The Ref, <clears throat> and it has no it, there's no spirituality to it. There's no Wiccan, pagan, anything like that. But there's a scene in that movie, and it Dennis it's a Dennis Leary movie. It's pretty funny from the '90s. And there's an eccentric uh, wife, and I can't remember her name. She's a pretty famous actress, but she is hosting Christmas dinner and uh, she is uh, through the movie she's known to be a bad cook and very <laughs> uh, very uh, uh, adventurous with the way that she tries to cook and so she themed this entire meal for her in-laws and herself around that Swedish holiday that Swedish deity and I can't remember her name but there was like this gruesome story about how she got burned and dismembered and all this shit and she's telling this story while they're having dinner but uh, they all have those crowns with these long candles and one of the, uh, the the mother-in-law she's like my forehead's burning i can't do this and just like you know typical very typical western culture of like i don't understand so fuck this shit but that was my first exp- you know uh, 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 introduction to something like that which which i didn't realize at the time but you know it's funny when we can look back and think about like oh that's right i remember that that was a little easter egg that somebody put in my past so i could see that and down the road be like oh that's right yeah. you know yeah. you can the you know, something simple, too. We are very lucky out here in the Pacific Northwest to have a lot of evergreens. Right. Right? And, you know, you just walk outside and half the time you know, the rain has knocked something down or whatever. Bring bring a sprig inside. Mm. And and you can make that an offering. Yeah. You can burn that. Um, it's, again, sympathetic magic. Something that's green emits the dark. Yeah. What are your wishes for this, you know, new year? At this time, for the Norse, this was their new year. Right, okay. Uh, so, you can, and it went through January 6th. So, you know, we're still, we're, we're still, still doing this game. Yeah, we totally. still, I mean, we are very much part of that calendar. Yeah. In many ways. So, you can make your wishes, but to do it with a little bit of evergreen takes it up a notch. Yeah. You know what I got to say, too? I, having some kind of sacrifice or some kind of offering or some kind of ritual around what you're trying to manifest and what you're trying to draw in, it brings a level of consciousness to it that whether you believe that you're actually giving, like for me, what, what I, I love to offer, um, cacao and uh, honey. Right. My guides and my, my spiritual family members love sweet stuff. Right. Just like myself. And so <laughs> I love that sweet tooth. And, and, you know, so when I, when I sit down and I, and I talk about like, you know, I talk about this podcast, right. I'll, I'll put it out there and say, Hey, uh, my spiritual family members, I hope that this podcast can reach the guests that it needs to help the people it needs to help and do that. And I do that every time I release a show and I have an offering. Mm-hmm. And again, like whether you believe that 
whatever deity or whatever God or whatever spirit you're, you're talking to comes down and actually eats that offering or receives that offering, it's the actual act of taking the time to respect the tradition and to make some kind of offering and say, hey, I would love to have let's say success, right? And in turn, I'm going to give you this, right? So it's a tit for tat. Like I'm giving you, I'm asking for something, but I'm going to give you something. And when we can do that, like it changes everything for me. Like it brings me more to a present moment. It brings me more to an understanding of clarity of what I'm really asking for and gives me an opportunity to just like, just to be with that, right? Instead of this, this flipping thing, like, oh, I hope somebody listens to my podcast tomorrow. You know, it's like, okay, no, but let's put something behind that. Right? Yeah. Let's make an offering. Let's make a sacrifice. And a sacrifice doesn't mean like a human sacrifice. But if I have an entire plate of food, I'm going to take part of that plate away and put it on another plate and put that outside. And that is my sacrifice. I'm sacrificing right. my nourishment mm-hmm. to give it to this God, God is deity. And that, so that they can see that and be like, look at that Adam guy. Good for him. We're going <laughs> to... Give him some things, make him happy, and we're going to be right behind him, you know? And I love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, that's for, you know, with with the Saturnalia around this time, believe me, the sacrifices abounded in the Roman times. So it, it is, there's something very powerful about being willing to give up in order to gain. Right. Well, that was the basis for a lot of um, spiritual leaders back. Take the Mahabharata, for example. Like ascetics, the, yeah. Was that? Ascetics, yeah. yeah. Exactly, right? You know, so you have the uh, the Mahabharata, the Bhagavad Gita was taken from the Mahabharata. <clears throat> and one of the things they talk about in that, in that time frame, which is technically like close to 600,000 years ago, I think, when that, t- that story was taking place, is that you have all these kings, these these righteous people that are beyond wealthy, beyond wealthy, like vast amounts of wealth, elephants and all kinds of shit, right? <laughs> but they also constantly talk about how they give ungodly amounts of wealth away to the rishis, to the ascetics, to the villagers, to everybody, because one, they know they can't spend it all, but they also know that this is how we keep people happy, healthy. They, they feel involved. They feel part of it. We're not just up here on our thrones with all the gems and the golds being like, yes, peasants, do your thing. We go out there, we shower them with gold and gems. We shower them with all the things because they need the things too, right? And that's that beautiful kind of like idea of like, it's not my wealth. Right. I might be the, the director of I might be the director of the spirit and the director of like making sure y'all stay safe, but this is an accumulation of wealth. And so let's all benefit from this. So here, Rishi who never will have a job will sit in meditation probably the ninety percent of their life and probably not eat a goddamn thing because they're ascetic also. Here's like hundreds of millions of dollars worth of jewels and gems. So just in case, you're taken care of. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's a big balance. It's a big balance, and and you know this this time is knowing what it's like to be without. Mm. You know, and so to give gifts during a time because oh. really when we think about it, this was a time when the poor had no work, mm. like very little work. So the whole mumming would be, you know, they would dress up and and tell stories and sing songs and go. To home to home to home, and especially to the wealthy home, and you gave. Oh. You gave. So that's where caroling and wassailing yes. and stuff. Okay, yeah. all right. So you're. Think about it in the dark, and in the time of less, and in the time of like just going within. To give is a sacrifice. Right. Wow. And so it may give us a little something different to think about. Instead of just 
filling stockings and seeing right. how much money we can give back into the capital, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's knowing that we have to dig deep to do it. Right. And that is a, an, a, an act of trust and honor and sacrifice that the light will return. Right. Right. Now, Santa Claus and Odin, mm-hmm. that was a really cool little line drawn for me because, you know, I get, I just, I didn't know that Odin in Norse really was this wrapped up in this, this tradition and this ritual. And the more I started reading about how the all father Odin and father of Christmas like, oh, God damn it. Like, it's just, it's just, it's right there, yeah, right? Yeah, And so, I mean, how did, okay, so Norse, right? So this is Norse, right? And that's where Odin comes from. Odin mm-hmm. is all father. Um, so there's that, so was Odin, like, the deliverer of the presents? Was Odin, like, the kind of, like, the, the bringer of that kind of idea, like Santa Claus is now? Or how was that kind of? Well, it depends. I mean, because Freya brought presents, Odin brought presents. I mean, there's okay. a whole bunch of kind of in there. I mean, we can look at Sinterklaas. We can look at St. Nicholas. We right. can look at all of these things. We can look at Frau Holder, you know, and then Baba Yaga. Oh, Baba, Baba Yaga. Yaga. I don't know if I've heard that one. Baba Yaga on her broom, flying through the night on the solstice, hanging out presents. Yeah. You know? So there's so many, 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 many that would do things like this. Yeah. Um, and But then we get the very visual, like we tend to see this commonality, which I think may be where our very traditional version of what we think Jesus looks like comes from. Okay. Right? We have multiple cultures who we had this bearded figure, like, you know, white beard or long bearded um, old man in robes and things like this that was more like Father Winter as we know it. You Mm -hmm. know, multiple cultures in that way. Um, did that. So, you know, when it rolled over into Roman traditions, believe me, because Zeus looked just like that. You know, we have so many uh, gods that looked like that, mm-hmm. that it makes sense that it kind of crossed over in here. But when we look at, you know, the different Norse traditions, Scandinavian traditions, things like that, all of a sudden we have ones with like red and green caps and sprigs of mistletoe and all these things that have just shifted. Mm. Into color and light and gifts and song and all these all these things. I can, I mean, we could sit here for hours talking about the history of all of the versions of what Santa Claus or Chris Kringle or Santa Claus or you know or Odin mm-hmm. are. Um, but for me, they all kind of I'm like, wow. Again, it just rolls right on back to this is an archetype. This is like, we, we want to give, we have this need to want to give to the poor this time of year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, okay. um, because when we don't have, just like you were talking about, when we have, it's about giving because there may be a time when you don't, this is all about connecting the circle right. at this time of year and how you give hope as well as receive it. Mm. Yeah. And that's a, that's a tough one, especially in our, in a, in a capitalistic culture, mm-hmm. you know, to, to wrap your head around that in a, in a, in a giving way. Mm-hmm. Wow. With, uh, so 
another one that I that I thought was really interesting was the uh, wrapped up in the Odin and Saint uh, Saint Nicholas and Father Christmas was the uh, the cookies, right? So leaving uh, leaving porridge and butter out for the house elves. See, and, I didn't know that one. Yeah, which culture is that one? Um, that is a. Let's see if I wrote it down. Uh, I didn't write it down, so I'll have to I'll have to look into that. I bet you. I mean, there's tons like this because you you would leave out all the time year round mm-hmm. for your house spirits and your ancestors and you know depending upon where you are for the just to make sure the ones that are taking care of your house are great that the trickster ones are not screwing around there are all these food offerings mm. there are tons of food offerings that are left out all of the time yeah. but if you're bringing a tree in and inviting a whole heck ton of of you know sprites and fairies and all these things into your house Wise idea to keep everybody appeased. Right. Yes, because they can be very mischievous. Yes. Yes. And I, you know, so, and again, like, no knowledge is power for me, right? And, and I guess not knowledge is power. Now, knowledge helps me understand things. Um, I think it's in Norway. And it, it might, if not Norway, it's, 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 a, it's a country kind of adjacent to or around that. But part of their, their common practices on a government level Let's say that they're going to put a new highway in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're going to put a highway in. They, they understand where, where it's going to go, what, it's, what land it's going to take, mm-hmm. what, what land it's going to cross. There's a division in their government that, that is dedicated to making sure they don't mess with the homes of the, the sprites, of the, the pixies, and the fairies. Right. And there's like, there's, a, I guess, figurative maps that they hold on to that shows where these woodland creatures inhabit and anybody government or whatever that wants to put any, build anything, make a road, put a building up. They got to consult these people and say, and those people have hundred percent authority to be like, no, sorry. There are fairies that live in that bush. So we're not going to do that. That's a regular, still common practice, right? I fucking love that. Right. (laughs) That shows us that we really like, we, and another another example, I think it's either Ireland or Scotland, and I apologize for you know. There's definitely a difference between the two. I can't remember which one, but their national uh, animal is a unicorn, right? That's their national animal is a unicorn, right? Is that figurative? I don't. I'm I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, me, I don't know. I'm I don't know that one at all. I do know that um, in you know Scotland. I've been told many stories of um builders trying to take down like hawthorn trees mm-hmm. in ireland that's like oh absolutely yeah. not yeah that's a that's a really 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 bad idea mm-hmm. really it's bad uh idea. it's in scotland scotland really? the uh the uh, national animal is a unicorn. Is a unicorn, right? And so, like these are these these are these these areas of the world that have been that have much more richer history than us, that have been practicing different cultures for a very very long time, and there and to me there there's got to be some truth into this stuff, right? There's you know like a they didn't just all of a sudden be like, hey, you know what? We're gonna fucking make a unicorn our national animal. Never been a unicorn in our entire life. We just gotta put a horn on a fucking on a horse and call it a unicorn, and there we go. To me, it's like you gotta see something to understand that you want to have that represent your thing, right? And so, like the pixies, the the sprites, the fairies, the fucking unicorns, like that just to me is shows me that there used to be these things around, and we've just become ignorant to them. It's a it's you know, and when you go. Down that road, fairies are very different in those cultures. The, yes. 
that's a whole nother world and a whole nother yeah they're not the cute whole, like whole nother experience oh, no. no 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 your children were taken you'd fall asleep and never come back mm. there's all kinds of stuff with that that's yep. a it's more towards Grimm's fairy tale than, right. than the rest but that's why yeah Leave your milk and cookies out. Yeah, appease them. Appease them. Yeah. Make them happy. Leave, leave your milk and cookies out, <laughs> would you? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a wise idea. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, okay. So, we've covered a lot today. Yes. Um, are there... So, okay. So, let's... If we could, make it make make it like a, this little prepackaged, little palatable thing for our guests, for our listeners. Mm-hmm. So, celebrating Solstice and Yule, what are what are and we've gone through it already, but just package it up. Mm-hmm. What is a way that that our listeners can celebrate this in a honorable way that um, that maybe they can dip, dip a toe into this new ritual? Okay. So what are some, some things I can yeah. do? Yeah. So the like like I had mentioned before, for me, I think what's great is take some time to think about what your own personal dark has been. Okay. In order to embody that and be that, you on the night before, right, mm-hmm. like the twentieth. You know, shut everything off for like an hour or two. Get cold. Mm. You know, sit in your house, no lights, no heat. You know, and they used to fast at this point. Yeah. So, like, nothing. And be in that dark for a bit mm-hmm. and see what comes up for yourself. Okay? Yeah. And then light your candle. Light your candle. Ring your bell and take a moment for the gratitude of the sun being conceived. Mm. Leave that candle burning if you can until sunrise, right? Mm-hmm. And watch the sunrise. Watch the sunrise. Yeah. That that to me, if you're if you're not in a circle, right, with others, that right there, you know, I used to. <laughs> I used to, when I was a solo practitioner, mm-hmm. I would stay up all night. Okay. It would be an all night vigil. Okay. I would shut off the heat and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, this is me. My Mars is an Aries. I'm very intense and dramatic and dedicated to the moment that I do. <laughs> but I would shut off everything. I would fast. I would stay up all night and I would drum the sun up. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and believe me. When you're on the other end of that, you have never been more grateful for the sun in your wow, entire life. Wow, yeah. Wow, drum the sun up. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, I, uh, I am full of knowledge, and I'm deeply grateful for you to share your experiences with this uh, beautiful ritual, this beautiful practice. Uh, I'm excited to have you back to talk about spring equinox. Oh, no. The next one's Imolk. Oh, Imolk. Imolk. It's in February when we're in we're in the deep. We're in the deep cold. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Very cool. Well, uh, thank you again. You're the best. Thank you. Greatly appreciate your knowledge and uh, and hand holding us through this uh, this beautiful holiday. And I hope our listeners have that little palatable thing to take away, the ways that they can uh, start to practice this ritual, and uh, and always. Reach out to us if you need anything. We talked about this, the open circle that Danica has for all Wiccan rituals. Um, so please reach out to her, whether it's email, through me. I can connect you to her. But find find the things that make you happy, right? Find the practices that, that resonate with you and lean into those because there's probably a reason. Thank you, Danica. You're welcome. Thank you, Adam. See you next time. Bye.
Thank you so much for joining Danica and I. Please check out the show notes to uh, get Danica's email so you can join her open circle. Uh, Also reach out to myself if you have any questions or anything we can help with. Please like or subscribe to the show or share it with those you think would benefit. Obeisance and love. We'll see you next time.